Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. Joining me now is Dr. John Prochowski. He is a pro-life OBGYN. For the first two years of his medical career, he performed abortions during his residency. He wrote the book, I highly recommend it, just came out a couple months ago, called Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. Dr. Prochowski, we were talking about um, prenatal diagnoses in utero uh, and genetic testing and the false positives that of those tests that come back of those people who have genetic tests um, and they say that there's something wrong genetically um, that we see an 85% rate where these tests weren't true and the baby's perfectly healthy. But there are cases where we know children are born with a genetic defects and whatnot and yet we still as pro-life people believe in welcoming and loving and bringing these children into the world, that these children have value no matter what. Sarah from California is on the line. She actually wants to share her own story with us. Sarah, welcome to Trending. I would love to hear about your baby girl. Hi, thank you so much. Um, my daughter, Maggie, um, so we had the NIPT test done um, when I was 10 weeks pregnant, um, and it did come back positive for trisomy 18, Edwards syndrome, which is not something that you know about until you are faced with it. It is just absolutely devastating, especially when you race online, when you get this diagnosis and you look at what it is, and it's terrifying. It's horrible. 90% of these babies don't make it to their first birthday, um, and it's just all horrible, um, my OB, who she's fantastic, but, you know, that night on the phone, she, you know, poor thing. I mean, when your OB is calling you at 930 at night, you know, it's not going to be good. And she was calling me to let me know um, about my daughter. Um, anyway, she offered an abortion um, and I knew right away that I was not going to do that. I knew instantly Mary didn't leave her son. I could not leave my daughter. And I knew that right away. Mm. So, um, so um, we went through m many, many, many um, ultrasounds. I went to perinatal ultrasounds. Every time I saw a new doctor, it was they were telling me that I needed to abort this baby. I have a at the time he was three. My son, you're not going to be able to give your time to your son. You're going to have to spend it all taking care of your daughter. You don't know what she's going to have when she's born. And you know, Maggie was presenting some things, but nothing really. Um, atrocious, I guess. Um, and they were kind of confused. They would say, well, maybe she doesn't have it, but there is something going on and we don't know. Um, so my daughter, um, she made it to 37 weeks. We decided to induce her. Um, and my OB was, again, she was really great. She just said, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of go with the flow. Um, but, but all the other doctors, every time it was, you know, I was really pushed. And so it was really hard. 
to just enjoy any of this pregnancy, you know, um, because the outlook is so horrific, horrific. And I want to give hope to those moms out there who are going through this and those dads out there who are going through this because I regret that I didn't enjoy my pregnancy because you're just flooded with all of this terribleness. The safest place for your baby is in your womb. I didn't have the amniocentesis. I didn't do it. If, my, if her odds are terrible, why risk it anymore? Right. Um, you know, and so I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, my baby was born at 37 weeks. Um, she definitely had issues. She was immediately taken to the NICU. Um, we were at a level three NICU. She had to be transferred to a level four NICU, like within three days. Um, and when she was transferred there, they didn't know for sure still. They hadn't done a genetic test. And I have to say that there's also an issue, not just with the, like, with abortion in this, but these babies require fair care. When I got to the NICU, they told me they were going to do a genetic test for my daughter and that it ca- if it came back trisomy 18, our conversation was going to be different. What do you mean? Why would the conversation be different? And I, it is like this for so many of us parents. I have to fight. I I can't even tell you. Yeah, take a deep breath. We're with you. We're listening to your story, Sarah. Oh my gosh, you're such just, I'll give you a second because I want to continue to hear. You are addressing every mom's fear, but you are matching it with a faithful mom's courage. I just want to tell you thank you and a faithful mom's love. And I'm just going to repeat that line you just said a moment ago. She said, you said Mary didn't leave her son. I couldn't leave my daughter. So if you're you're doing okay, because your story is so powerful, I want you to be able to share it and share it so clearly and eloquently as you are. What happened when they started to tell you that they would discuss options if the genetic test came back? After the baby was born, so I um, there's a there's a group called Soft speaking out for trisomy, and we had kind of become aware of it in our in our search for anything dealing with my daughter's potential diagnosis. And within that, there were parents saying that um, a lot of times these kiddos are less. <sighs> untreated once they are born because their outlook is so dire. And so I, I, so when I approached this other, the, the NICU that we were transferred to, I told every single doctor, we had a palliative care team and I, you know, I don't, I, I know why they were put there. Right. Um, because palliative care is kind of um, where you're not, um, effectively like trying to address what's going on with your child. You're just going to kind of let them, whatever's going to happen is going to happen and you're just going to let that happen. And so we had a palliative care team. Wasn't super crazy about that, but we had it. Um, And, but every time I went and spoke with this team of doctors that was, was in this NICU, I would say, okay, but I am here for my daughter. We want her. We want her. We want her. Mm-hmm. We want her with us. And if that is able to be done, I want you to 
to take care of what is wrong with her, not with her trisomy 18. It's different, right? My daughter had a large VSD in her heart. She had um, a PDA, which eventually closed on its own, and she was having lung situations. She went from, she was on everything. She was on, she was intubated, she extubated herself, uh, crazy child that she is, um, <laughs> and all of this. She's been through all of it. She's all of it. Um, and she needed to have a heart repair. And there are five, six now, five hospitals in the country that these parents can go to, that they can trust that these doctors will actually perform yep. the closing of a VSD on their child, which is something that is done quite regularly mm-hmm. for any other child not dealing with trisomy. Now, you have to do it a lot sooner. So my daughter had open-heart surgery at three months old. But she was the first child at her hospital to ever get that surgery because I told them I was going to go elsewhere. And it hit me like I was crazy. What do you mean? You're going to go somewhere else? Now, I'm in California, and I was talking to Boston. I was talking to Omaha. I was talking to all of these different places because I couldn't get that here. For a simple VSD, I say simple, I'm not a heart surgeon, but according to heart surgeons, a VSD repair is, you know. You're spot know. on, Mom. I'm You're not a heart surgeon. On. I'm not a heart surgeon. But the, the amount of what the work that we had to do in order to get her that care, and I don't know what happened because I know that the day before the meeting with, with the, the cardiologist, she was not going to have that surgery. But then we went into that meeting, and they said they were going to do it. And I couldn't believe it. Like, I couldn't believe it. Not only that was on Thursday. Not only were they going to do it, they're going to do it on Saturday. My daughter, as soon as they did that, my daughter changed course. My daughter was dying. My daughter was back on a ventilator, like, the, the Sunday before this meeting. I thought, there's no way they're going to fix her. There's no way they're going to do this. She's back on a ventilator. She's dying. All of these things that they say is going to happen are starting to happen to her now. She's starting to have the apneic episodes, which she hadn't been having. She's starting to do all these things, and these things are the things that take these kids, and it takes these kids because they're not, they're not doing what needs to be done quickly for them. And you fought for her life. You fought for her life. I am so grateful for your story, Sarah. If you could just speak briefly, you know, I know your daughter's 18 months old. Praise God you have her with you. Um, as a mom and for those who are afraid, you know, fear something being wrong with their children, maybe you're facing similar situations. You know, can you speak to the value of your daughter's life? Do you regret it at all? I mean, obviously not based on your powerful testimony. Absolutely not. We were in the NICU for four and a half months. She's been, you know, a cold will get her in the PICU. You know, it's very, she, she's on oxygen. She wears a BiPAP at night. She has a feeding tube. But I have learned, I didn't know any of this. I have learned it all. Okay. I have learned it all. I know how to take care of my daughter. I know my daughter. And, you know, she is the absolute joy of our life. My son loves her so much. She smiles at us. She smiles. She's just starting to get her belly laugh. She's just starting to, to roll over. 
she's delayed. She's, you know, she's not going to be, you know, she's not, she's, I'm going to be taking care of her for the rest of her life. And I am so happy to do it. And I am so blessed to do it. And she is just the absolute, she's got these beautiful big blue eyes. She smiles at me every morning when I take her little mask off. She's just the happiest little baby. She's teething. She's still happy. Like, she's just fantastic. And everybody loves her. Maggie is just beautiful. And I just regret so much that I did not enjoy my pregnancy because, because it was just so full of such dread that I feel like I was kind of robbed of that. So just trust. Trust in God. Trust in Jesus. See, even if their lives are short, even if their lives are short, and it very well could be, mm-hmm. it's still so worth it. Give your child the opportunity to breathe that breath, because all you ask for at that moment is a breath, right? Mm-hmm. When she was being born, just please let her have a breath. Let me be able to look into her eyes. One let me breath. be able to rub her head. Let me be able to give her a bath. And, like, we've had all of these little things now. She's 18 months. I mean, it's amazing. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. What a powerful testimony to you, Mom, as you, Sarah, as a mom, to your daughter's life, Maggie, your whole family, your son, your husband, being so confident in your choice of life. And don't you say that your baby girl is delayed. I'm so sick of people saying saying and making comments on size and delay. Your daughter's an individual right where she's at, and she's being cared for and thriving exactly how she should. So praise God. Thank you for your testimony and your witness, Sarah. And I know you've got the heartstrings of so many moms across the country right now. We are going to be praying for you, and I'm imploring everyone who's listening right now, we just pray for Sarah for her courage, for the power of her story, and for Maggie and whatever healing God has in store for baby Maggie and whatever journey he has and how she's going to bless uh, her mom, her brother, and all those yeah, who know her. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Bruchelski, I'd love to hear your thoughts just on the medical handling of the situations and what uh. women are facing, what moms are facing today. Sarah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, I just can't um, tell you what Sarah and uh, Maggie's story has meant for me. Um, this witness of a mother with her child uh, resonates through the NICU. Just remember that, Sarah. Um, there were many women, there were many nurses and uh, nurse practitioners who cared for your daughter there, along with the doctors. But I just want you to know that your presence alongside your daughter rippled like a tsunami through that hospital from that NICU, that neonatal intensive care unit. And the love, that's the answer to where we are today in this abortion issue. Love is going to win in the end. It's not going to be politics. We have a real issue here because now every 50 states, every single voter everywhere has to defend or promote abortion or to then silence it. And you see heartbeat laws and then pain-capable laws, and everybody's afraid of you know some of the losses we've suffered recently, trying to enjoy the wins. But it's not about politics. It's about love, and it's about the love of mothers. And I pray, Timory, just like you're preparing your audience for Advent, can you imagine if we had this 
back in the day, 2,000 you know, years ago in Nazareth or in Jerusalem or Bethlehem. And here we are in a crisis pregnancy and then kind of worrying, not worrying. She, you know, Our Lady had peace. And I was just going to tell Sarah that you offered to the Lord, Sarah, your lack of peace during those nine months. Don't negate it. Lean into it. Lean, give it to the Lord. And I promise you, your obedience to what the Word of God had is far greater than great lectures, great papers, great topics, great wins in politics. God bless you, Sarah.